Welcome. This is a human interest podcast made up of stories about people who are traveling about by train or bus. The stories, 15 or 20 minutes long, are based on actual experiences that have occurred across the United States. Welcome to Rails and Trails. A night in Kentucky. My travels take me to multiple U.S. locations, most of the time off the beaten path. The destinations aren't convenient to air travel, which suits me fine because air travel is my last choice. By nature, the trips are one way, by Amtrak or bus. One particular trip took me to Danville, Kentucky. After completing my business in Danville, I got an Uber to Lexington, not quite an hour away. Though I scheduled the ride in advance, I was fortunate getting an Uber. The driver informed me he was the last one driving that night. He decided to go out at the last minute, and when he opened his app, my reservation popped up less than an hour before my pickup time. He told me he was the only regular driver in Danville. I was grateful, and I felt lucky. With a nod to Mark Twain, I left Danville with the calm confidence of a Christian, with four aces. It was dark when we pulled into the Lexington Greyhound Terminal. It was December, and the days were short. The station would be closed until 15 minutes before the arrival of the bus over to Louisville my bus. It was scheduled to arrive around quarter till 10. It was now only 7.15. My Uber driver cautioned me to be careful around here as I closed the door and he edged his way back to the street. I stood there for a few moments, processing my options. Next door to the station was a strip club, easily recognizable with all its flashing neon. Set back across a dark parking lot, the dollar sign caught my eye. Half of its backlighting was malfunctioning. Burger King was on the side opposite the strip club, about a block away. I drew that straw and made my way alongside buildings and past overgrown shrubs and bushes. Getting there, I found the door was locked, probably a casualty of COVID. I made my way back toward the station and spotted a small independent pizza place. It looked to be open. Walking in, there was a dude sitting at the counter who promptly announced that he didn't work there, but she will be right back. I took a seat as the only other patron in the place. She, her name is Amy, did appear shortly and gave me a warm welcome and a glass of cold water. Amy was friendly, genuine, and without judgment seemed to assess my presence there. She seemed to me a person who has faced her share of life in life and she possessed a serenity for it. I ordered a pizza from the menu, processing how much of the next two to three hours I might be able to spend here. Our conversation was easy and honest. No other customers were coming in, though she would periodically prepare an order for pickup or delivery. Time passed easily, and about 9.20 p.m., two young men walked in. They were hungry and looking for a way to get food. Their only problem was... They had no money. They each had a $25 cash card that had been issued to them by the prison from which they were just released. One had done three and a half years, the other six. Cash card wouldn't be activated for use until the next day. Amy listened attentively and said she couldn't help him with the card, but offered that she hadn't used her free employee meal yet. 
and if they ordered a hot sub, it would be big enough for them to split. Her goodness of heart remains with me today. It was time for me to head over to the bus station, and I headed toward the door. One of the young men asked if I was going to Louisville, too. I answered yes, that I was going to Chicago, but would have a four-hour transfer in Louisville. I would be there until 3.45 a.m. The bus was parked in the lot, lights on and engine running, but the passengers were not allowed to board. A handful of people were gathered on the sidewalk, smoking cigarettes, engaged in the sort of conversation people share whose common ground is waiting. I stepped into the station and into a world of lively interaction. A man is talking a lot about having decided just today to leave the woman he's been with for several years. He bought a one-way ticket this afternoon, drained the bank account, and is headed for Florida. She wouldn't know until she got home from second shift. Maybe five of us were there, including a young Amish man with the usual hat and suspenders. The future Floridian has been sizing up this Amish gentleman. He finally addresses the young man. Man, what are you? Like Amish or Mennonite or what? I am Amish, he replied. Are you married or have a girlfriend? I am not married yet. Well, man, how's that work when you're ready for some action? You just hang out in the barn for some Amish squeeze to come in to feed a goat or a cow and then grab her and throw her down in the hay? The young man remained quiet and stayed seated until he decided to walk across the parking lot to the dollar store, causing me greater concern than the exchange in the station. I managed to sleep for about 30 minutes on the trip over to Louisville. The Greyhound Terminal is in downtown Louisville, and the place was bumping. A series of delayed incoming routes, weather-related, had the place crammed with travelers and luggage. Bus travelers seldom experience the baggage confusion, familiar to airline travelers, of luggage that all looks the same. You can see examples of over 75 or 80 years of bags and suitcases from every era and trend. Equally present are the popular lawn and leaf bags. During extended delays, these are used to create comfort to offset the unyielding discomfort of the steel mesh seating commonly available. I found a seat at a steel mesh table with four steel seats permanently attached. The other three seats were occupied by the Amish gentleman, a truck driver trying to get back to Louisiana after a breakdown, and a good-sized guy with an imposing presence. He was friendly enough and conversational, and he kept offering different destinations he would be going to soon. But he won't be going on the bus. He flies when he travels, in business class. It was December, and there was recent snowfall. Evidence of the snow could be seen throughout the facility. The tile floors were wet and dirty in spite of a single custodian who was trying his level best to stay ahead with all the foot traffic. The mix of frustration and exhaustion led people to camp out anywhere they could find a couple square feet of space. I watched a young mom, traveling with a toddler and an infant, work as she constructed a cocoon using the top of a table and a combination of trash bags and blankets. Nobody was going anywhere soon. Passengers from three or four routes were all stuck there for the next few hours, each deploying their best idea of how to deal with this time stuck in limbo. Some seized the opportunity to venture out in search of the closest liquor store. 
Others jockeyed back and forth between the terminal and the rear dock area where smoking is permitted. Many, myself included, hunkered down to sit it out for the next few hours. I was drinking a cup of vending machine coffee. The kind served in paper cups with poker hands on them. I lifted it toward the ceiling to see which card was on the bottom. It's a jack of clubs. I reflected on the significance of having a jack in the hole. The guy in the wheelchair did not beat around the bush. $84 is how much he needed, and he needed it now to buy a ticket to Cleveland. Unfortunate circumstances had led him to Louisville, and he had nothing there. He knew nobody either. His sister was in Cleveland, and he desperately needed to get there. He was working everyone in the room determinedly. He seemed to pour it on with greater effort toward both the Amish kid and me. I considered that he might perceive we were easy targets. I could feel myself swaying between caving in and holding firm, and I could see the Amish gentleman wrestling with it too. I felt empathy for him, recognizing how inexperienced he probably was in the realities of the world. The business class traveler decided to get involved. He offered to buy him a cup of coffee and to hear him out, to discern if he was legitimate or just a homeless panhandler. He went to the machine and came back with a cup of black coffee. The Cleveland aspirant took one sip and put the cup down. He appeared disinterested. Pressing on for the 84 bucks, he pleaded for generosity and kindness of heart. With the 25th chapter of Matthew surging across my mind, his coffee benefactor is pressing him to finish his coffee. He says he doesn't want any more. The table goes silent. The big dude starts to heat up. I bought you that coffee, and you take one sip and don't want any more? It's got sugar in it. I don't like sweet coffee. You're a damn homeless guy begging for money, and you're not going to drink the coffee I bought for you? The homeless guy tries to say that he appreciates it, but he doesn't like sugar, but it's not working. He takes the coffee and wheels away, powering himself along with a single foot. Across the room, he drops the coffee in a trash can. Bolting from the table, the dude is across the room and in the guy's face with an invective of cursing and disdain. The disabled man is now crying, asking why he's being so mean to him, imploring him to just leave him alone. He returns to the table, still ranting. He grabs his pack of smokes and heads for the dock. Custodian works his way over to our table. I commented on the dramatic episode that just occurred. Without lifting his head from his mop, he remarked that he always creates drama. Every night. I contemplated what he just said. Every night? Oh yeah, he's here every night. He's homeless too, but he likes to belittle other homeless people. It's effed up. I hate that quote attributed to LBJ, the one about convincing the lowest white man. But it ensnared me in an instant, or a variation on it at least. Here was one homeless man living a charade while assaulting the character of another, deriving a puffed-up sense of self-importance. The remaining hours passed, and suddenly all of the delayed routes began to arrive at once. It was about 5 a.m., and I was finally able to board the bus to Indianapolis and then on to Chicago. I glanced inside the adjacent bus and saw the guy in the wheelchair. He caught a willing underwriter that had just arrived, and the Greyhound agent generated a ticket to Cleveland in an instant. 
the Amish guy boarded a bus for Cincinnati, which would get him in the proximity of visiting his grandparents in Ohio. The truck driver was still waiting, along with a number of passengers trying to travel southward. I settled into a row without anyone in the adjacent seat and began recording details of what had happened. I woke up as we pulled into Indianapolis with my iPad still in my lap. After about 30 minutes in the Indianapolis station, we left for Chicago. I was joined by a woman from Tennessee traveling to visit family in Chicago. In spite of intense fatigue from the all-nighter, we enjoyed meaningful conversation. I shared some of my impressions of everything that had transpired over the past few hours. She listened tentatively before suggesting that I should write a book. We laughed when I offered a possible title, Terminal Conditions. Lack of sleep began to gain leverage, and we didn't speak again until we were pulling into the Greyhound station in Chicago. Hey everybody, this is Daniel, and I want to thank you for spending some of today with Rails and Trails podcast. The work of Rails and Trails is to bring you stories based on actual human events that have happened while out across the country traveling on trains and buses. The mission of Rails and Trails is to look for the sacred in these human interactions. So far as possible, the stories are presented in an unvarnished manner. Only first names are used to preserve anonymity. I am guided by the idea that God comes to us in the grit and grain of our daily lives and I have no doubt completely missed plenty of those visits. The illustrative account in Matthew 25 shows me what this looks like, and it's a text with the capacity to make me shudder. Each person introduced in this podcast is a human being and is due the same dignity as all of us. I am grateful for your interest in the podcast and humbly appreciate all supporters and subscribers. I love hearing from you, If you haven't yet subscribed, I hope you will do so today. Rails and Trails is my creation and is produced by Second Half LLC. Thanks again.